Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Today's episode is presented by Lloyd's Banking Group. Everyone deserves a safe place to call home. That's why Lloyd's Banking Group has championed the social housing sector for decades supporting more than 340 housing associations across the UK. We will start our uh, summer programme, so we will only have two online and physical uh, midday briefings uh, per week. We will um, resume the usual arrangements at the end of the summer break. Welcome to EU Confidential, Europe's number one politics podcast. I'm Andrew Gray, Politico's EU editor. And you just heard the sound of summer, Brussels style. That was Dana Spinant, a European Commission spokesperson, announcing that even that most regular of EU bubble rituals, the midday press briefing, will be slowing down for a few weeks. It certainly feels like summer has officially begun here. Suddenly the calendar of meetings is empty and you're more likely to see a squad of visiting students than a posse of politicians in the EU quarter these days. With all that in mind, this week we're bringing you a special bumper summer edition of the podcast that will hopefully keep you going for the couple of weeks that we're going to be away. It's a show devoted to recommendations for reading, watching or listening over the summer. You'll hear recommendations from us, from some of our guests and from some of you who were kind enough to send us some of your own hot tips. And we'll include links to all of the recommendations in our show notes. So let's kick off with our podcast regulars. Hi to Reem Montaz in Paris. Hello all. And uh, Matt and his dacha somewhere outside Berlin. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, surrounded by East Germans. Okay, there we go. I'm not quite sure where to go with that. So I won't <laughs> go anywhere. Uh, <laughs> so uh, this is our kind of... I already feel we've got a bit of an end of term vibe going here. So this is our, our last uh, show before a brief summer break. And uh, we're going to do some recommendations, that things that people might enjoy uh, reading or listening to or watching on their holidays, or even if you've had a holiday and are coming back, but might have just a little bit more spare time as things are a bit slower over the summer to enjoy these things. So um, let's start with books. Reem, what's your recommendation? I've been reading this really interesting book called Going Dark by Julia Ebner. Uh, Julia Ebner is the sort of social scientist who basically infiltrates extremist groups, whether it's the far right or jihadists or women who are misogynists and want women to go back to the 1950s. And she wrote this book called Going Dark. Like every chapter is another infiltration going undercover into one new uh, group. And it reads like a thriller, and it also reveals so much about what motivates people to join these groups. And you realize that actually, whether you're trying to join a jihadist group or a far-right group, 
some of the reasons that might push you to join are pretty much the same. And I won't say more than that. Okay, sounds interesting. And I believe that we actually had Yulia Ebner on the podcast. This is years ago when, when Ryan was still hosting. So we will check that. I believe it's from an episode from a few years ago, and we'll add a link to that if that's the case. Matt, what's yours? Uh, my book is a bit lighter than that, although not really, not really. <laughs> really? Uh, I was wondering if your, your, your wow. recommendations were going to be too dark. I did not expect lightness yeah, from yeah, that. It's not, it's not yeah. really light. <laughs> But it doesn't involve jihadists. That's all I meant. Okay. Well, it does in a way. Financial jihadists. It's about Deutsche Bank. Oh. Uh, which sounds like it might not be that sexy, but it's actually it's a, it's a really fascinating book. It's called Dark Towers, and it's written by a former Wall Street Journal colleague of mine, Dave Enrich, and it's just a fascinating look at the history of the bank going back to its founding. It was founded by a cousin of the founder of Siemens, whose name was also. Siemens and and he he tracks the trajectory of this bank from the mid 19th century through to the present and its entanglement with Donald Trump which I think will be interesting to a lot of people and and the way that the bank has basically helped Trump survive over the years when no one else would have done business with him but it also looks at, at other episodes, including, of course, the bank's role in World War II and, and how it, it financed uh, the construction of Auschwitz and, and other Nazi projects. But all in all, it, it's a, even for people who know nothing about uh, Deutsche Bank or banking, you don't have to be sort of a finance expert to really in, in, enjoy it. Okay, it sounds good. Um, it looks like I'm the only one who's going for fiction. I thought people might actually want a break from, you know, even kind of journalistic books. Uh, so I've gone from for one which I'm holding up now. The English title is Summer Before the Dark, and it's by Volker Weidemann. I don't know if you've come across it, Matt. Does this ring any bells? It was actually a German original. No, no, I, I can't say it. Okay, yeah. I really literally just finished it last night, and I think the German title originally was Sommer der Freundschaft. Uh, summer of Friendship. It's set in Ostend in 1936. Actually, it is a novel, but it's all it's all based on fact. So it's about Stefan Zweig, the uh, well-known author, and Joseph Roth, also very well-known author. Both Austrians. Just exactly. That well, that's why I thought you might have read it. And um, so what uh, Volker Weidemann has done here very cleverly is he's taken a lot of their correspondence and rather than write a very kind of dry book about what they were writing to each other, because this is one of the fascinating things of these people People wrote to each other like properly, proper letters all the time. But they ended up together in Ostend in 1936, along with a bunch of other uh, intellectuals and literary types. And it's kind of, of course, set against the backdrop of the impending gloom, the, the doom that's about to engulf the continent in the coming years. But it's also a very interesting story, particularly about Stefan Zweig and about Roth. And it's very nicely written. And if you uh, read the English version, I should throw in a mention for the translator, Carol Brown Janeway, as someone who studied translation and uh, interpreting a long time ago. They're the unsung heroes often. I, I believe she died a few years ago, but was a very highly regarded translator. And she's certainly done an excellent job with this book. Summer Before the Dark, the FT describes on the cover, it has a description from the FT, death in Venice with more sex, more booze, more action. 
To be honest, it doesn't have a lot of any of those things, typical FT exaggeration, but it is a very good uh, book and, and I would recommend it. Summer Before the Dark. Okay, shall we do something to watch next? TV, movie? Matt, have you got one? Yes, I have a, a very exciting series that I've been watching. It's set in Naples and it is based on this book about the local mafia there, the Gomorrah. You know, it's a bit gory at times, but I think well worth your time if you like Naples and, you know, are interested in, in mm. Italy and, and sort of the underworld there. Sorry, what's the title? Is the title Gomorrah? The title of the series is Gomorrah. Okay. And uh, you can watch it in the original with English subtitles. Although I've heard some Italians, because they speak in the local dialect, some Italians actually have also watched it with subtitles because uh, apparently it's difficult to understand if you're not from Naples. But like English people watching train spotting, right? Right. Sometimes. Exactly. But Matt, is it as good as your all-time top uh, streaming recommendation Emily in Paris? I mean, is well, it on that level? Know, I mean, that's like that's like <laughs> Mount Everest. You know, this is more <laughs> I just want to give you some good news. Emily in Paris is shooting season 2. I know. I, oh, I, wow. You think I don't know that already? Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah I, yeah, I stand corrected. This is, this is a super fun. This is good. The 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 final uh, season is uh, not out yet, but it's coming out soon. So you should watch the others now, and then you'll be finished just in time for the grand All right. finale. Sounds good. Reem, what's yours? So I've been really suffering from uh, this sort of hiatus uh, that a lot of our favorite shows have taken because of the pandemic, especially one show that I can't wait to see uh, sort of again when it comes back in the fall succession mm -hmm. on HBO. And so I really think that anyone who wants to have a really good time watching something should rewatch the two seasons over the summer that have mm. already aired. It is just one of the best series I've seen. Yeah, it's amazing. And I actually, maybe just in case anyone involved with the production of Succession listens to this podcast, we would love to have one of the actors or the creator, uh, Jesse Armstrong, I think his name is, um, who's worked. It's one, one of the amazing things about Succession is fantastic, big budget, you know, grand production. But this is the same guy who co-created Peep Show, you know, which is a kind of UK, South London sitcom. And so the range of stuff that, that he's done is, is really impressive. And, and it's um, so textured like it is yeah. big budget and you think you know there are these big hollywood yeah. hitters in the in the series but actually it is such a great nuanced look at family dynamics yeah. at you know how people deal with their own insecurities in their lives and how do they deal with their parents and their siblings, siblings. and it's just yeah. so great and it's so very great. funny i mean the dialogue some of it Hysterical. is hilarious i mean i think he also worked on the thick of it and and that really kind of shows as well the, the have you seen it matt succession Think we well, I, I actually uh, lived it, having worked for <laughs> for News Corp for several years. Um, <laughs> yes, no, very entertaining. Not that this has anything to do with News Corp and any uh, resemblance is purely coincidence. Fictional. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic. It would be great to get Brian Cox, a fine Scottish actor, on the show or, or Jesse Armstrong or someone. So we'll just put that out there in case anybody happens to be listening and can make that happen. That's a, It's a... A great recommendation. I will go for, I think I may have mentioned this before, but sometimes our recommendations get cut because we're too long. And I can't remember if this made the final cut, but I will recommend, I mean, I do think that French TV 
or French kind of streaming series. It feels like France is on a real roll with this stuff. We've talked about the Bureau de Légende, which I think we all uh, really enjoy. It's incredibly good. And uh, Lupin is the Netflix uh, series that uh, I've been enjoying recently. You know, this kind of gentleman thief, these stories updated for the 21st century with Omar Sy in the kind of lead role. But I think it's it's great fun, great kind of escapism, but also also with great dialogue and some lovely twists and turns. So I've really enjoyed that. So if you if people haven't seen Lupin, it's all available on on Netflix now. So I don't do you think do you agree, Reem, that uh, French kind of TV drama seems to be on a real role? In contrast, I would say to Germany, where I don't see a great deal except Tatort, which has been going for about fifty years and still looks much the same on a Sunday night. It really is. I think French streaming sort of series are having a bit of a moment because so many of my non-French friends have been talking to me about some of these. Le Bureau des Légendes, of course, is Emily is in Paris just, has become an instant <laughs> classic. Yeah. I will just ignore you saying that because I think my friends in the French cinema mm. and TV industry will just kill me if I yeah. agree with they you. They don't regard so that as, as French. I mean, absolutely that's not. Yeah. Absolutely not. Uh, but you know, there's also, of course. Of course, uh, 10%. Uh-huh, exactly, right. has also had a huge, huge success uh, abroad. It's called Called My Agent in English. It's on Netflix. That has definitely also had a lot of success. Yeah. Okay, shall we move on to podcasts? Reem, do you want to go first there? Yeah, so uh, w- one of my favorite French radio stations, France Culture, really makes some of the best podcasts I've ever heard. They're always super interesting. And I'm unfortunately going to have to talk a bit about politics because it remains one of my big passions. They did uh, sort of a five-part series on François Mitterrand called La Grande Traversée, and it really is fascinating. They, it's uh, five parts, each one hour long, and they really look in depth at François Mitterrand's presidency, his legacy. They sort of examine the myth that he is in French politics. Mm, sounds good. And have they kind of gone back and talked to people who knew him or is it all from archive? How have they gone about it? It's Yeah, no, no, of course it's both because a lot of his uh, closest uh, advisors are still alive. They're here. His daughter's alive. I mean, there's a, a lot of people to talk to and, and, and he remains a giant in French political uh, life and, and an absolute reference. Absolutely. Mm, yeah. Matt, what about you on the on the podcast front? Well, a, a podcast series that I've started uh, listening to fairly regularly that I think uh, there's something for everyone in is it's called The Rest is History, which is uh, it's done by two British historians, Tom Holland and Dominic Sandbrook. And they sort of explore all and sundry, really, when it comes to history. They might look at uh, the history of the East India Company, which I thought was really fascinating. They looked at Hitler, which is an evergreen, obviously. That took two episodes. They talked to Ian Kershaw, interviewed Ian Kershaw, who's sort of considered to be uh, probably the greatest living uh, biographer of, of Hitler. But it's it's really, you know, all of history, they're just sort of little little vignettes and uh, they have sort of interesting discussions and, and often have guests on there who are specialists in those areas. And it's just the two of them talking, basically? I mean, it's usually just the two of them talking and, yeah. and you know, some of our British listeners might know one or both of them. Dominic Sandbrook is, is a bit of a personality because he yeah. comments a lot about the history of the royal family and, and sort of modern Britain. Tom Holland's more of a, a antiquity sort of specialist. So if you're interested mm. in history, it's definitely worth 
looking in. It sounds really good. That reminds me of a maybe a slightly similar one which I had on my list to recommend, which is a, a BBC series called In Our Time, um, which has been going for years and years and years. It's a broadcast on BBC Radio 4. And in some ways, it's, it's the kind of opposite of some of the excellent, um, you know, highly produced podcasts with lots of sound design that we've come to enjoy in recent years. I mean, this is literally Melvin Bragg, the host, with three, as we might call them in British English, boffins, experts, you know, from academia on a particular subject. And they will just talk about that subject for the best part of an hour. And it's just a conversation among very knowledgeable people on a particular topic. And you name it, they've done it. This one is also uh, often a little bit lighter in tone, I, sh I should add. Okay. Um, you know, they, they did one on England and Denmark recently before the football Before the match. Euros? Yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, I think they did England and Germany as well. Okay, um, that fits very neatly into the other one that was going to uh, the one that I actually planned to recommend, which is a football podcast. If people, you're only allowed to recommend once, you've already recommended one yeah, on the back of mine. But I'm yeah. using the host's uh, privilege and um, and the fact that Christina and I are the ones who get to do the final edit on this. So I just was riffing off of yours, you know, just trying to help right me there. make it relevant. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Just so our listeners know, this is not a democracy. Right. right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well said, Reem. I'm glad. I'm glad someone what understands is, how is. it works around here. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to recommend a thing called Second Captains, which is actually an Irish uh, sports podcast. Although it's uh, it's done by a company, or they've formed a company. These guys who've been doing this podcast for years, and they do a whole range of of uh, podcasts, which they call the World Service, which you can subscribe to. But they do a free weekly podcast on football, and they have a guy called Ken Early, who's a columnist for the Irish Times, and he just always has an entertaining and quite often different take on football, which goes way beyond the game and, and talks a lot about personalities and the kind of forces driving the game, but always very entertaining. So I'm going to recommend that as well, which is Second Captains. So that brings us to the end of our recommendations. But uh, last week we asked our listeners if they had some recommendations for summer reading, watching or listening. And our producer, our executive producer, Christina Gonzalez, is going to join us now. Hi, Christina. Hi, guys. Hello. So you have been through the recommendations. So we thought we'd hand it over to you and the listeners and see what they've got to recommend for us and for other listeners. What, what have they got? Yeah, so a big thanks to our listeners for writing in and sending some nice messages. We always appreciate that yep. and uh, some great recommendations. So I have a few of them that I'll pose to you guys and see if you have read them or heard of them and maybe not. Uh, okay. Maybe you can put it on your list for your holidays coming up. Yeah. Okay. Um, now we're on the spot. Now we're going to look not very well read or, or very well <laughs> kind of rounded if we haven't heard of these things. Go I on. can always edit that out as yep. well. Yeah, good. That would be handy. Go ahead. <laughs> we'll start with Jed. He recommends the book Disenchanted Night, The Industrialization of Light in the 19th Century by Wolfgang Schivelbusch. And he says that Disenchanted Night is a very interesting history and commentary on the role of lighting technology in society, and that the author does a good job of explaining not only how technology evolved, but how it affected everything from politics to domestic life to perceptions of space and time. I love that recommendation. Thank Sounds you, good. Jed, because as a former TV producer who had to always set up interviews to be filmed, 
lighting was so important. And I always worked with some marvelous cameramen who taught me a lot about uh, sort of what light can do. So I love that. I will uh, try to read that. Mm. Yeah, new one on me, but sounds interesting. Matt doesn't look like he's read it. No, but, but I have um, heard of Shiva Bush, like- and he's he's written a lot of sort of well-known books in in German. Yes, we should say that Jed, our listener, read the translated version into English by Angela Davies. Okay, there we go. Another shout out for the translators. Exactly. So a few more books that came in from a listener who doesn't want to be named, but she recommends a number of books, one of which is The Codebreaker by Walter Isaacson. And that's actually a recommendation that comes from one of our special guests as well. So we'll hear more about that in a few minutes. But she also recommends The Lonely Century, A Call to Reconnect by Norina Hertz. Mm-hmm. And What We Owe Each Other, A New Social Contract for a Better Society by Minosha Shafik. I, I really, the, the Codebreaker is a great book. Fascinating. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, I think, uh, you know, it goes to the heart of, I think, the future of sort of health and how our societies are going to deal with with that. So, uh, so I wholeheartedly agree with that. Okay, good. I'm glad. Um, I'm glad someone's read some of these books. It's uh, it's, it's handy. Uh, any, <laughs> Very helpful. Any but more? if you're not into books, this listener also sent a few podcasts okay. as well. Uh, the first one being The Intelligence from The Economist, mm-hmm. a classic. Yeah. Um, the others being Work Life with Adam Grant. Mm-hmm. Adam Grant is an organizational psychologist, and he takes you into the minds of the most unusual professionals to explore the science of making work not suck. I find that so interesting because I know I've I've spoken about Esther Perel on this podcast and actually she uh, now has a new podcast called How's Work oh. uh, in which she sort of takes the couples that talk about sort of their work and how the work is affecting their relationship. And it's really fascinating. The first episode was clearly, I think about a woman who's a spy, but I'm not sure if she really well, is a spy. And it's just a fascinating conversation. Right. Because her original podcasts were about relationships, right? They were kind exactly. of examining kind of almost couples therapy, right? In fact, they yeah, were precisely. Kind of reconstructed couples therapy. Yeah, that's very, it does feel like work is being maybe re-examined as it hasn't been for a long time, partly because of the pandemic, right? Everybody's thinking again about, about that. I mean, I think we're pretty good here in terms of, you know, work not sucking generally. Um, we have ongoing conversations. Yeah. <laughs> but then we also, to be honest, when I heard the title, I thought, is that about work-life balance? Because I'm not sure we're so brilliant at that. No. Yeah. Well, well <laughs> journalists suck at that, but it's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I actually rather enjoy the very last line of the official description of this podcast, which is from learning how to love criticism to harnessing the power of frustration. One <laughs> thing's for sure, you'll never see your job the same way again. Matt, I think this was made yeah, for like you. the story made of my life right there. If we um, could harness the power of Matt Karnichnik's frustration, yeah. I think we could power could, the whole could, organization. Power the 19th century. All of Politico. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> there we go, yeah. There we go. We'd be lighting all the world. Okay, well, these are good. Any more? Uh, yeah, we have a few more. One is from Ashlyn, who wrote in from the northwest of England. Given that this show is for followers of European politics and current affairs, I'm sure listeners would enjoy the book I'm currently reading called Trans Europe Express by Owen Hatherley. Especially now during COVID, where travel is a lot more restricted, this book offers an architectural tour of Europe through a political and historical perspective. 
So it's a visual way to learn and understand different European cities and how their histories are still apparent by their makeup today. I think it's also the name of a Kraftwerk uh, Indeed, song, indeed. It? It's, uh, it's actually a train. Seen, yeah, the Trans-Europe Express. Yeah, and which we... Um, the idea of which we kind of borrowed from for an episode of this podcast. This is true, with the music, the right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, was a, it was an homage to Kraftwerk. Inspired by, yeah, maybe inspired I can by, still weave it in right inspired, here. Yeah, inspired by, but of course in no way uh, derivative of, again, just in case the lawyers are listening. Okay, any more? One of our listeners went above and beyond and actually recorded her own recommendation. Wow. So I'll go ahead and play that for you guys and see what you think. Mm -hmm. Hi, I'm Andrea. My summer reading recommendation is the novel Soul Tourists by Bernadine Evaristo. She won the Booker Prize in 2019, I think. And this is one of her earlier novels, and it follows a couple um, taking a road trip across Europe. So if your summer vacation plans include a road trip, it's great to have this uh, story alongside. The other recommendation I'd like to suggest is uh, the podcast Because People Count, which is not just for accounting nerds, but looks into the accountancy profession vis-a-vis -vis the EU. Check it out. Thanks. Bye. I'm always so uh, grateful when people recommend novels because I always have a hard time finding novels I really like. I get really bored very easily with novels, so I'm going to try this one. Well, that is, I do think this is a, it's a danger of journalism. For a long time, I could not read fiction, really, because you're used to thinking a very journalistic way. You want everything kind of in the lead, right? Tell me what's happening. Exactly. I don't want all this diversions <laughs> or flowery language. And for a long time, the only thing I could read were crime novels because they are kind of straight ahead. You know, there's a question to be answered here. We're going to answer it. Yeah, but now I have a little bit more capacity. Maybe it's something to do with getting old. Uh, Christina, remind us, what was the listener's name? Her name is Andrea. Andrea. Well, I just wanted to say thanks to Andrea for, for doing that. And also, you know, she has a very good podcast voice. Um, I agree. Well, yeah. She happens to host the podcast that she recommends. Oh, okay, there we go. There's always an angle. <laughs> Makes okay. sense. Anything to get a plug for her accountancy podcast. Okay, well, I think, frankly... She's We're done on enough. to you, Andrea, but we appreciate <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. She's done enough to earn it. We're going to check it out. Okay, good. Any more? Is that a lot? We have a few more. Okay. So one is probably very popular with our listeners. This comes from Wolfgang, and it's La Grande Illusion by Michel Barnier. Okay. I'm sure many... Folks yeah. have probably read that or mm -hmm. have it on their list. Yeah, I think we did a story a while ago, right? Our colleague Maya did a piece with the kind of potted summary of the revelations, but I'm sure many people will have will have read the full the whole shebang. Then we have listener Murray who wrote in from Glasgow, Andrew. Mm -hmm. So greetings. He says, I'm a keen follower of political communication and the EU. No better book explores the intersection between them than Luke van Midler's Alarms and Excursions. Okay. Yep. And he's got another book, isn't The Passage to Europe, which I think has been sitting on my bookshelf for a while, which I must get around to reading. Yes. Okay. And he has a new book coming out this October. So we hope to have him on the podcast okay. later this fall. All right. Big shout out to Murray. Thanks for bringing us the, you know, the voice of the old country. So then we have one final recommendation from a listener, Agati. Actually, she wrote in with a number of them. So I'll just pick a few. Two of them are books, the first one being Hello World, How to Be Human in the Age of the Machine by Hannah Fry. I'm kind of okay. scared of that book. Yeah. 
She says it's the best book I've read so far on assessing the impact of AI on our lives. Mm. Okay. Well, so for people like something we concerned need to about, know about that. Yeah. And then she also uh, has a few podcast recommendations. I'll take the liberty of choosing one, which is How to Fail with Elizabeth Day, which is a podcast that celebrates the failures of our life and how they're ultimately a guide to our success, which is also a podcast that I happen to listen to as well. Yeah, I've heard that. I've listened to um, one or two episodes of that. She has one with Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who's the creator of Fleabag. Although I have to say, like, it's it's one of those things where her definition of failure is maybe not the same as the rest of us. It's like she's had some, you know, she's had a pretty stellar career and a couple of bits that maybe didn't go so well or it took a little while before, you know, everyone realized just how, how kind of good she was. But yeah, it's an interesting podcast for sure. Interesting concept, actually. So that's it. So thanks All right. to everyone. You can always... Send us emails at podcast at politico.eu. Yeah, if people, if people, you know, read or hear uh, interesting things over the summer or see interesting things and want to recommend them, they should do so. And thanks so much to everyone. Yeah, that was great. I also just want to say it's really lovely that people take the time to yeah. actually write in and, and send us voice notes and, and sort of tell us what they like and maybe what they don't like. And we, we definitely read all of them, even if we don't necessarily respond to all of them. Yeah, we try and reply to all of them. It takes us a while sometimes. It's been don't. a while since we've gotten a nasty gram though so i don't know if that means we're doing something very right or very wrong but don't encourage people christina <laughs> then we'll come back to a big pile of them subject line you asked for it and exactly. um, no no it's it's very it's really uh and, you know one of the very nice things about doing this is there is a kind of sense of community which is very much not just us but everyone who listens and and we know they listen far and wide and and you know whether you're kind of in the heart of the Brussels bubble or, or somewhere very far away from that. Uh, we really appreciate it. All right. Uh, Reem, Matt and Christina, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Coming up, we have recommendations from some of our special guests in past episodes, including former EU High Representative Javier Solana, former Irish President Mary Robinson and former Swedish Prime Minister Carl Bildt and a few others as well. Stay with us. Now, for quite a while now, we've been asking our guests what books, podcasts, movies or TV shows they'd recommend to you, our listeners. We've compiled a few of some of the best recommendations. Some of them you've actually never heard on the podcast before. They were on the cutting room floor, but they have been rescued. So let's start with Javier Solana, the former Spanish foreign minister, former NATO secretary general, former EU foreign policy chief. He's now the president of the Spanish-based Centre for Global Economy and Geopolitics. He joined me for a conversation in May and recommended a best-selling biography, which you've also heard mentioned earlier in this podcast. Well, uh, it wasn't too surprising, but uh, Walter Isaacson mm -hmm. was the president of Aspen Institute who had written beautiful biographies like uh, uh, Einstein and... Uh, and Steve Jobs, I think he did as well, right? Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. He just come out uh, last, I just read it. Cold Break. Uh -huh. Cold Break is the history of uh, the Nobel Prize on chemistry in 2020. It's two ladies that discover how to handle the genome. Had she grown up in any other part of America, Jennifer Doudna might have felt like a regular kid. But in Hilo, 
an old town in a volcano-studded region of the big island of Hawaii, the fact that she was blonde, blue-eyed, and lanky made her feel, she later said, like I was a complete freak. A few years ago, with my colleague Emmanuel Charpentier, I invented a new technology for editing genomes. It's called CRISPR-Cas9. The CRISPR technology allows scientists to make changes to the DNA in cells that could allow us to cure genetic disease. You might be interested. It's a wonderful. It's, it's not easy to read, but it's, it's worth it because really we are facing the molecule is going to be in our life. The molecule we, we can't handle the genome, which at the end is it's, it's, it's a molecule. Yeah. And you put that together and uh, and see the advantage we have been done in a very short period of time. We can today change the genome. Mm. And you put that, the molecule is in our life, mm. and the chip, the chip is in our life, and the chip is the size of a molecule. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we are really in the very, very small, we have been in the very big going to the moon and going yeah. to... Margin, but we are handling also the very small. We're in the nano era, maybe. Huh? But, so, but so. super nano, super yeah, yeah. nano. Yeah, yeah. This is, creates in me a, a hope that if we do things properly, we are really having opportunities uh, absolutely against poverty, against illness, against the climate, and uh, improve a better life and quality. Once more, that's The Codebreaker by Walter Isaacson. Now, a few weeks ago, Hans Wilbrief, the Dutch State Secretary for Finance, was in Brussels for a meeting of finance ministers to discuss and approve some EU countries' pandemic recovery plans. In this conversation with Politico's Paula Tama, the social liberal politician, made this recommendation. The book I'm most influenced by in the last years is a book called Uh, The Meritocracy Trap, which is a book which deals with the fact that uh, it's about America, basically. The fact that a meritocratic system basically leads to a new uh, aristocracy because the system sort of makes people colliding, which are sort of going up in in life. They, They intermarry. Their children also stay in these circles, which means that you get a you get a very sharp divide in society. That's been happening in the U.S. profoundly, but it's also happening in my own country, for example. So I'm from very humble origin. My my uh, my father didn't have any higher education than than uh, basic education. He built his own company, got very rich, uh, and his his three children all went to university in some stage of their life, and. Uh, the biggest problem of this society is basically our society now is, is this still possible? So is this what they sometimes call the social elevator still working? And I'm very much worried that it isn't working anymore, which means that you get a divide in your society, that people stand not together, but opposite to each other. And you see this basically in all our countries. It's a very material issue for somebody who is not on a material left wing of the spectrum, isn't it? Yeah, but I'm I'm an economist by profession, and I'm I very much worry about this because I you see basically I think this is basically the main explanation for the whole populist uprising. People are just not seeing any 
perspective. You see it in many markets. So in the housing market, in, in my own country, it's basically impossible for people to get a house. Well, if people cannot get a house, they sort of feel blocked. They get very unsatisfied, very angry. So very light vacation literature, I would say. <laughs> Summer reading. That's The Meritocracy Trap by Daniel Markovitz. Now, if you're in the market for a podcast rather than a book, former Irish President Mary Robinson rather cheekily put in a plug for her own podcast called Mothers of Invention during this conversation with Politico's Sarah Wheaton. I would recommend my podcast uh, that I do uh, with uh, two people, with Maeve Higgins and Tamali Kodakari from uh, Sri Lanka. Maeve is a comedian and we began by doing it together She's half respectful of me. Welcome to Mothers of Invention, everyone. I'm Thimali, the series producer of the show. And I'm Maeve. I'm a comic and I'm a legend. And pretty much everybody is jealous of me. It's kind of amazing. But I've learned to live with this. That's enough. And I'm Mary, the former president of Ireland and chair of the elders. And as you can tell from Maeve's apparently limitless banter, I manage. Oh, Mary, thank you. Well, everyone, if you have come we here, we give voice, give place, and recognition to women in the south of the United States, and in particular in the global south. Um, and we hear wonderful stories of how they build, uh, you know, resilience in their communities, what they're doing to counter a problem they're not responsible for largely. And it's also very funny. And uh, I have, you know, a great sense that uh, if you can be humorous about a serious problem, you, you are going to get through to an audience much more quickly. Sarah also spoke recently to former Swedish Prime Minister Carl Bildt, who recommended a book called Machiavelli, His Life and Times by Alexander Lee. Well, at the moment I'm reading, I, I wish I knew the author, I don't. It's a new biography of uh, Niccolo Machiavelli. That sounds rather, it came out last year. It's a 700 pages or something like that, so it's not an easy read, but quite interesting. And it's always important to sort of have some relax intellectually with something that is entirely different from what we are doing at the moment. Right, but that's got to be giving you some insight and some, some tips for doing, for doing your work as well, no? Well, not necessarily, but um, I, I learned that the politics of um, 15th century Italy is a fairly complex business. One more time, Machiavelli, His Life and Times by Alexander Lee. Now, our last recommendation comes from Robert Cooper. I caught up with the British author and former diplomat in May. Cooper was a key figure in building up the EU's foreign policy apparatus, worked closely with the first guest you heard in this section, Javier Solana, as well as another former EU foreign policy chief, Catherine Ashton. I mean, I actually just read... Anne Applebaum, Twilight of Democracy, is, I think is a terrific book. And I just started on a very fat book about the Greek Revolution because it's the uh, 200th anniversary. And I'm reading a biography of Capodistria as well. Do you do any light reading? Uh, well, light reading. Um, every night before I go to sleep, I read a, a chapter in the original French, evidently, of, of The Count of Monte Cristo. Okay. Such an encouraging book. That sounds like a good recommendation. He gets enormously, becomes enormously rich and deals with all his enemies. <laughs> well, that sounds like a, a very good note on which to end things. Robert Cooper, thank you very much. Thank you. Love fun. 
So there you have it. We hope you now have plenty of material to keep you company this summer, whether you're going on a vacation, doing a staycation, or even working while everyone else is off enjoying themselves. And again, we'll put links to all the material mentioned in this episode in our show notes. If that's not enough for you, why not dive into our archive? We have more than 200 episodes there. Just scroll through your feed and hopefully you'll find a few interviews or topics that grab you. Before we go, a quick programming note. As mentioned earlier, we're also taking a brief break. No EU Confidential for the next two weeks, but we will be back in your feed on August 19th. If you miss us while we're gone, remember you can always send us a message. The email address is podcast at politico.eu. And you can send along ideas for guests or topics for future post-summer episodes using that address too. For now, we wish you bonne vacances if you're taking some time off and bon courage if you're not. I'm Andrew Gray in Brussels. Thanks to our executive producer, Christina Gonzalez, and thanks to you for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.